Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is the Stop Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Well, the UFC is back in Vegas this weekend for UFC Vegas 50, a main event between Tiago Santos and Magomed Ankalaev. Of course, there's lots of other great fights on this card, which we will be breaking down as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we also give you an underdog and a parlay that is going to make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, this week we are loaded with interviews. We've got even more than usual. Today I'm talking to Cody Brundage, Terrence McKinney, and Trevin Jones, all of which fight this weekend on UFC Vegas 50. So we're going to get to you all of that great content, but before we do, I do have to mention that this episode of the Top Channel MMA Podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over there right now, betterthan.vegas, where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there right now, you can check out the Top Turtle MMA bonus pick of the week, which is only available on the Top Turtle MMA page at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and I'm here with Cody Brundage, who fights Dolce Lugion Bula at UFC Vegas 50. That fight is on March 12th. So, Cody, I wanted to start here. You know, obviously you're on the Contender Series. You lose that fight to William Knight, a fight where you had kind of had the upper hand on it early. What, what was sort of your mentality leaving that fight being, you know, kind of earlier in your career, but missing out on a pretty big opportunity? Uh, I was definitely disappointed. You know, I think I hold myself to a really high standard, so... Anytime that I take a loss, uh, it's just a lot of reevaluation, you know, which can be crippling sometimes. You're like, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. I think uh, there was definitely a lot of that, and um, it probably didn't go away until I fought again. But, um, yeah, I was definitely disappointed. I felt like I was in the fight. Like you said, I was winning the majority of the fight until I, I lost, and uh, that's always disappointing. I felt like I, I was good enough to be in the UFC, and uh, it was tough to miss out on an opportunity where, you know, that's my biggest goal and my biggest dream at that point. And to have fall just short was tough uh, to come back from, but you know, luckily it worked out. I, I ended up getting in the UFC. So uh, it worked out and that loss was probably the best thing for me. But at the time, it, yeah, it was pretty devastating. So, so you mentioned you get that bounce back win really quick and you do get the call really quick, but that call was for the contender series again, right? In, in, uh, what was sort of your mentality going into that fight? Because obviously, you know, you get a shot in front of the boss. Not a lot of people get two shots in front of the boss. And, and then, you know, to have it completely changed had to have been a crazy roller coaster for you. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it was a roller coaster. Uh, I expected, you know, I have the best management team in the game with Iridium. Um, they told me like, hey, go get a win. We're going to get you back on contender. So I fully expected to get back on contender. I actually got offered to be on uh, that season of the Ultimate Fighter. I ended up saying no because it was kind of right around the time that uh, my daughter was going to be born. I didn't want to miss that. Uh, and so they got me on contender. I was, you know, excited. I, I felt like I said, I felt like uh, I, I was winning the first time and um, I was having a performance that would have got me in the UFC. I felt like I was UFC ready. I'd been at my gym factory X for a year at that point. Um, so I feel like I had gotten a lot better, had a lot more things to show. I really liked the matchup that they had got me for a contender. Uh, so yeah, I was pumped for it. You know, obviously I was way more pumped to get in without having to take that fight. Uh, but yeah, I was excited to, to kind of right the wrongs that I had on contender the, the previous season. Um, and you know, I got in without doing it, but yeah, I was looking forward to it. So interesting there that, that you mentioned in there that you were offered to be on tough or, or in consideration to be on tough because that, that was a season where, you know, wrestlers wound up doing pretty well. Guys with submissions did really well. You're a guy with a good grappling background and, and great submissions. Did you watch that show thinking about that at all? What what would happen if you were in that house and, and how you would have fared? Uh, I watched uh, the fights and I didn't really watch the show too much. Uh, I watched the fights. I felt like I would have done really well. You know, Brian Battle won the whole show, and I lost a split decision to him as an amateur um, in a fight that I felt like I had won. So 
I knew like competition wise, I, I would have done well. Um, it didn't, I didn't work out. Like I said, the timing of it was pretty wild and, uh, it didn't happen, but, uh, yeah, I, I felt like I would have done well. I, I still want to fight. I feel like I match up well with a lot of the guys that were on that show. I still want to fight those guys. So, you know, hopefully down the road we can get, get some, uh, fights with the tough comp competition. I like the sound of that. Now, I do want to ask you one more question about that, because I, I've heard really mixed reactions to both people who had been on Tough or people who were considering going on Tough or people who have watched it. it. Is that something that you looked forward to? Did you did you like the idea of being on the show that has all this history? Or did you think, you know, the idea of being away from, you know, Amanda and, and your new baby and everything else and your life in general just sounded like absolute hell? Uh. Yeah, it definitely did not sound enjoyable. You know, I'm a very <laughs> social person. I need my people. And, you know, I kind of also had the inside track because my wife had been on the show. She was a finalist. And she told me, like, you know, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. You, you have no contact. It's not like, oh, I can text them and I can call them on FaceTime. I'm like, you don't talk to anyone for six weeks except for who you're in that house with. You don't listen to music. You don't watch TV. There's nothing to do except for train and fight, which that part appealed to me. I was like, okay, cool. I can just focus on training. I can just focus on fighting. But it would have been tough to be away from my newborn and my wife and my family and have no contact uh, with the outside world. I think I would have really struggled with that part of it. I think I would have done really well with the fighting part, but the mental aspect of just being away and, and not being able to know if anything was going on, going wrong, whatever uh, would have been tough. And like I said, I had the inside track. My wife kind of let me know what it was going to be. And, uh, it did not sound enjoyable. To me. <laughs> well, fair enough, fair enough. So let, let's get to talking about this fight a little bit too, because obviously it's an intriguing fight in the first one where you're getting a real training camp here too, right? So you're fighting Dolce Lugiambula, a guy who has fought all the way up as big as heavyweight. In fact, he was a heavyweight champion in another organization. What are sort of your thoughts on the fact that he does seem to have a little bit of a size advantage on you? Uh, I think I'm not really worried about it. You know, he's, he's five foot eight. Uh, he's big, but I don't think I'm going to fight anyone that's bigger than William Knight. And I was smashing William Knight before, you know, things obviously didn't go my way, but I've never struggled with weight. I've never struggled with size. I feel like I'm way more athletic than most 85ers. I've wrestled at heavyweight at the collegiate level. So I'm used to moving around big bodies and, um, I, I like the matchup. You know, like I said, he's a shorter guy. He's obviously explosive and big, but you know, I think that hurts in some ways, too. I don't think he has very good cardio. I think he struggles the most with his cardio. and uh, Maybe part of that is because he's so big. But, uh, yeah, I'm not worried about it. I, I like the matchup a lot. And, and so I want to talk about the cardio in a bit, too. But I also want to talk about the fact that, you know, he, he does sprinkle in the wrestling game a little bit. If you looked at all of his fights, he, he's, he's shooting takedowns at least once in a while in there pretty much every single time. What do you think about that facet of his game and maybe even how that plays with his cardio against you? Oh, uh, I think he's definitely going to be shooting. I think if you watch my last fight, you know, my grappling didn't look that great. I am a wrestler. I have really good wrestling, but I was fighting Nick Maximoff, who has also has really good wrestling, you know, and he was able to win some positions that uh, up to this point I haven't lost. And so, you know, props to Matt, Nick, but uh, I don't think uh, Dolce has the same pedigree of wrestling. And uh, I don't the biggest thing is, even if he takes me down, I haven't seen him demonstrate in any of his fights that he can keep you down that he can do a lot of damage when you're down, you know. So uh, I'm not too worried about it. I think the more he shoots, the more tired he gets. So I welcome it. You know, I hope he takes me down. I hope he's working hard to keep me down because it's just going to play into my hand. You know, I'm a much better uh, cardio-wise fighter. I'm a much better grappler in general in terms of jiu-jitsu, submission threats, damage when you're on the ground. Um, so I, I invite it. You know, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope he's shooting. I hope he's taking a lot of shots because, like I said, uh, he's going to be struggling to keep that gas tank going. Well, and I usually like to end these and, and with the, the same thing every single time. I like to end with a prediction from the fighter that I'm talking to. And, and you kind of leveraged that right there. You, you kind of told me exactly what you're thinking. You said, you know, you think his cardio can't hold up. You think your jujitsu's is better. Are we going to see a submission in there? Is that how you predict this one ends? Uh, I don't know about submission, but I do think I'm going to finish the fight. I think late second, early third, like I said, I don't think he has the cardio to, to keep a pace that I'm pushing this fight. Um, I've done more cardio work than I've ever done in preparation for this fight because I really just want to push a pace. I want to get back to that wrestling mindset, not necessarily even wrestling, but just that wrestling mindset of I'm going to push a pace that you can't keep up and I'm going to break you. Um, and I, I really do. I think late second, early third, I'll get a finish. Um, just because I don't think he'll be able to sustain it. You know, he, he's very explosive. He's dangerous. Don't get me wrong. I just think, uh, his fighting style is not sustainable against someone who's going to keep forward pressure, stay in your face. 
All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is then Cody Brundage, who fights Dolce Lugiambula at UFC Vegas 50. That fight on March 12th. Cody, thanks so much for the time again. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Cody Brundage. I once again am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I feel like it's necessary that we start here. Maybe not important, but necessary that we start here. Colby Covington did largely what we predicted. He ragdolled Jorge Masvidal for 25 minutes. Did you get anything out of what we just witnessed? Yeah, it was as predicted, but I did get a lot out of it. Uh, Good question. So one, Colby Covington would, without a doubt, bet the house on it, alternate universe, be the champion if Kamaru Usman did not exist. What Colby Covington is capable of doing in that octagon is nothing short of extraordinary, and I feel like he's going to be one of those guys, and I think he's even better than the the person I always point to in this kind of like 1A scenario. It used to be Daniel Cormier until John Jones ran into some trouble, and then Cormier ended up with the title and then really found a, a legacy for himself, an even better legacy for himself at heavyweight. But who I always point to is Joseph Benavides when Mighty Mouse was around. But I'll tell you something right now, Gumby. Colby Covington is better than Joseph Benavidez. The way he pressures people is like nothing I have ever seen. You can do a little dance in the center of the octagon. He's going to walk you down. And when he gets about three-fourths of the way to that cage and he sees daylight to get you up against that cage, this man will unleash five, six-piece combinations to back you up against the fence and then do his damage with the wrestling. And I just couldn't be more impressed with his output, but he's not going to be champion while Kamar Usman's there. Usman is 4-0 against that main event. What did you take from it? So, first of all, I'm going to debate you a little bit on whether or not Colby Covington is better than Joseph Benavidez because I don't necessarily buy that, especially because what we're seeing Colby Covington do this against – and don't get me wrong – I 100% agree with you. He has shown that he is really great at backing people up, at making people think he's going to throw 75-punch combos, getting you back to the cage, and then shooting that takedown, and then getting the takedown exactly the way that he needs to. He's looked amazing doing that. But here's the thing for me about why I'm not ready to say Colby Covington is better than Joseph Benavidez. Who has Colby Covington done that to? An undersized Rafael Dos Anjos, an over-the-hill Robbie Lawler, a past-his-prime Tyrone Woodley, in a terrible grappling defense Jorge Masvidal. Apart from that, he chose not to go to the ground with Demi and Maya. He did it to Brian Barberena. Like, I, I'm not sold on that making him. Don't get me wrong. Again, you can see the clear talent you're, if you're evaluating the talent. But I I am always going to rank the guy who went out there and beat Henry Cejudo better than that, who beat, you know, Ian McCall, who beat Tim Elliott, John Moraga, and Ali Bagwatinoff, and Dustin Ortiz, and Juicier Formiga, and Alex Perez, who beat the hell out of all those guys before he finally called it a day. That, to me, is always just going to stick out a little bit. He beat my Miguel Angel Torres uh, in his day. He beat Hani Yaya. Um... Yeah, like, I think that Kobe's potential is still maybe under-realized based on the fact that he hasn't fought the top of the top. But, like, if he did what he did to Jorge Masvidal, to Gilbert Burns, immediately better than Joseph Benavides in my eyes. I hear you. I mean, if you want to talk strength of schedule, sure. Maybe you could say Benavides better. For me, though, I do believe what I am seeing besides the fact that he did it against some older aging fighters. And, hey, let's not let's face it, Jorge Masvidal's 37 at this point. And if you count his streak fighting record, this man's been fighting. He's probably had like 6,000 fights in his life. Like, this is beyond the prime of his career. But I still think I've seen enough that I, I would predict he would do that against Gilbert Burns. I would love to see him fight against Gilbert Burns. I think he would do that against Leon Edwards. And I guess this is really where... We'll find out right now because I also think Colby has peaked or is peaking as we speak, and he's evolved as a fighter now because he's not going to face Usman a third time. He's going to fight someone like what you just mentioned, someone under 35, <laughs> and and we'll really see. And also, I mean, the way Usman talks, you know, Colby's days as a champion still might come. It is possible. Now, he's 34 
Um, but if Usman were to move on or retire or I don't know what, I mean, Colby would be the first person that Dana White books in a, you know, declare a title or declare a new champion fight against, you know, one of those other top five guys. So we'll kind of see the jury's still out on that. All right. We talked about Colby enough. Let's talk about Jorge Masvidal Gumby because, you know, I tweeted this out from our account at Top Turtle MMA. When you really look at it, this man's career, ooh, dicey, dicey, Bapa. He had the till win. Okay, nice win. Till almost on the outskirts of the UFC at this point. Then the Askren win. Askren was no UFC caliber striker. Great grappling MMA guy, but no UFC quality striker. And then he beat Nate Diaz in the UFC. If the Askren knockout was the fire, the BMF title at MSG with The Rock and everything else was the marketing gasoline that the UFC threw on Jorge Masvidal, and good for them. But he's now 0-3 since that three-fight win streak with two-fight losing streak before the three-fight winning streak. So if you really want to peel this back, he's 3-5 and five in his last eight. He's 37 years old, and this man gets a new contract, and they're making Francis Naganu sing for his supper? I, it almost drives me crazy the way the UFC is headed, but what do you make of Masvidal at this point in his career, and can we all just agree? I mean, he doesn't even have a win over a top 15. This man should be ranked, you know, 10th at this point. Will he ever beat someone in the top 10 again? So I, I wouldn't pick him against a lot of the top 10 at welterweight right now, mostly because a lot of the top 10 at welterweight right now can wrestle. Um, and, and I've always said, and I said this going into the Colby fight, but I've, I've said this about Jorge Masvidal in the past too, is that I do not believe Jorge Masvidal is going to do good against grapplers. I, I picked Ben Askren all those years ago when they fought, and I still don't feel bad about that pick. Because while that fight ended in five seconds, I think it looks a lot different if you let that fight unfold. I, I think he wins more often than most people would think. Um, but like, if, if you go down this list of the people right behind, he, he, be, he being Ben Askren, ben Askren yeah, I think right? Ben Askren yeah, wins yeah. that fight more often than, than people give him credit for. But if you go down the list of people right behind Neil or, uh, Jorge Masvidal in the rankings, as they list are listed today on UFC.com, look at who Jorge Masvidal would be fighting if he fought people behind him. Sean Brady, a hundred percent mauls him. <laughs> Neil, Ma- <laughs> Neil Magny probably mauls him with his grappling. Michael Chiesa likely mauls him with his grappling. Kamzat Chemaev likely mauls him with his grappling. Those are the four people listed behind him. And, you know, again, people love to rag on the UFC rankings, and I'm one of the people who vote on him. I don't have Jorge Masvidal at seven. That I won't give you my full list. I, I won't pull up my rankings right now and read them through. He ain't seven on my list. So, so that means some people have him even higher than where he is currently listed, which is crazy when you consider the losses it's crazy. To, to Wonder Boy and Demi and Maya. And consider the wins. Who does he beat? Ben Askren's not in the UFC. Darren Till's about to not be in the UFC. Nate Diaz, barely in the UFC. Those are the wins. Yeah. Well, and, and Till is Till is going to stick around, right? Like, Till, the UFC marketing machine loves Till and all that. But he had to move up to, to middleweight because his body couldn't take the cut down to welterweight anymore, right? Like, it just didn't make sense for him anymore. He was probably dehydrating his brain to the point of no return. So, like, yeah, that was probably his best win. But when you consider his worst losses being Demi and Maya in an age, you know, and, and, and that's not to take things away from Demi and Maya. Demi and Maya is very good. But, like, Demian Maya is a guy who doesn't beat people who can stuff takedowns, right? Like, he didn't beat Bilal Muhammad. He didn't beat Kobe Covington. He didn't beat those kind of guys. So, for for Jorge Masvidal to have all of these losses to both strikers and grapplers and all that stuff like that, I, I'm with you. I, I've never really I've never really bought the hype. I get why people, you know, like you said, the BMF and the flying knee and all that kind of stuff jammed together. It was the right kind of marketing machine at the right moment, and the UFC cashed in on it, but... Man, I, I just, I've never been a, a believer. I, I want to say two more things, and then we'll wrap up on this and get to our favorite segment on the show. You say uh, Masvidal does not good, do good against grapplers. He doesn't have good grappling defense. And 
you were such grappling nerds. I want to make this very clear for the the MMA fans out there who also, if you're listening to our show, you're probably an MMA nerd. So I think you get this distinction. What's so interesting to me about Jorge Masvidal and grappling, because you're completely right. If someone can perform takedowns, if someone can move around and get past his legs, they're going to do very well against Jorge Masvidal. I mean, Colby won every scramble. There were even two opportunities where Masvidal was able to get back to his feet and chose to re-engage on Masvidal, uh, chose to re-engage on Colby, and Colby ended up coming back out on top of it. Just He's not a good grappler, but I do have to say he's very good submission defense. No one has ever been – even Damian Maya rode his back for about five minutes of that fight. Can you imagine Damian Maya getting to someone's back for five minutes you would assume he gets the choke nine out of ten times. He did not do it against Masvidal. And that's what kind of drives me a little crazy about Masvidal is he has such good submission defense, but he's so bad at transition. It's like, it's just very frustrating to watch. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. I agree with you entirely. Um, all right. And then this is the last thing I want to say because it all ties in. There's a lot of talk now, and it makes a lot of sense. He just signed a big contract. They're, wanting, they're going to want to get the ROI on it. Him versus Connor. I think it's a great fight. You know, they're two personalities. They both suck. They both <laughs> – Connor doesn't suck. Masvidal near sucks. But, you know, match them up. It's a fun fight. Fine. I actually like that, Gumby, more than I like Dana White floating the idea that Connor would come back and get a 155-pound title shot. That, to me, is not what the UFC was built on. To me, what I love about the UFC is I know it's the premier organization in MMA. And I can say when you're the champion at the UFC, you're the best in the world. I grew up, I've been watching the UFC since 1994. For the majority of my MMA fandom, up until about 2011, whenever Strike Force went away or the WEC went away, you couldn't always say that the UFC champion was the best in the world because you also had pride. And that's one thing I just love about modern UFC is it should be, and I know Bellator has its one-offs and you could point to this guy or that guy, but for the most part, if you're the champion of the UFC, you're the best in the world. The idea that Connor could come back and just based off his name value at, you know, what is he, one and four in his last five or something? Get the F out of here. Him and Jorge, all day. Go make your million and a half buys because of those two names. But a title should be nowhere in the conversation for that other than that bullshit BMF belt. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I would like to see them, them fight. I'm in on that. Who do you who do you think would win? Uh I think I'd probably take Mosvidal. I I I'd take Mosvidal in straight striking matches against a lot of dudes. He, I'm just not going to take him in a grappling in in any match where somebody's going to take him down. And God, Connor's not taking him down. <laughs> Connor Connor's not taking him down. But I'll tell you what we're taking down. That's some pretty great bets for UFC Vegas 50 this weekend. So let's get to our favorite segment on the show. It's fights, dogs, parlays for UFC Vegas 50. But before we start breaking down these fights, Gumby, one may wonder if any company is sponsoring this edition of fights, dogs, and parlays. Absolutely. Fights, dogs, and parlays is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. Check out Nichols over on Instagram at 55DoubleNichols55. He's going to send you five picks each and every morning from the worlds of the NBA, NHL, MLB, tennis and mma and i'm not lying when i'm telling you he's hitting five almost every single day and if not he's at least hitting four of them unlike all those other guys trying to get you to tail him he's giving you far more than just picks he hits you with tips and insights that consistently put him in the front of the game and plus with prices that never exceed 10 bucks a day and go as low as four bucks a day there's no reason not to give him a try mention our podcast when you sign up with him he'll hit you with that 10 percent discount don't delay that's five five double nickels five five on instagram double nickels sports betting we got ourselves a heavy favorite in this main event. Magomed Ankilov is a minus 600. Tiago Santos, a plus 450 dog. Very interesting careers for both these guys, because at one point, Tiago Santos was almost thought about as like one of the scariest guys in MMA, coming off uh, three TKOs, KOs in a row over Eric Anders, Jimmy Manawa, and Jan Blankovic. He earned himself a title shot and then lost via split decision to John Jones. He did really well in that fight, injured himself in that fight, we're like, you know, if that injury doesn't happen, he might have been able to even take a decision off of John Jones 
And he might have been a champion, but that's not the way the world works. He lost that fight via split, via split decision, comes back and loses to Glover Teixeira, an eventual champion via rear naked choke, loses to Alexander Rakich. That's back at UFC 259 last March. And then in October, he ends the three-fight losing streak, thankfully, and beats Johnny Walker. So Tiago Santos, once one of the scarier fighters on the roster, three-fight losing streak, is now coming off a win over Johnny Walker and looking to build on it. Might be a rough day at the office, though. You could blink and miss the fact that Magomed Ankyalov is on a seven-fight win streak. Now, the people he – this is after losing to Paul Craig in his UFC debut in, UFC, in uh, March of 2018. Loses to Paul Craig in his debut via triangle choke, as Paul Craig is known to do, submit people. He then reels off seven wins in a row, and it's really the last three wins that are so impressive earned himself a performance of the night in a rematch with Ian Kutaleba. So he beat Ian Kutaleba twice, and then he beat Nikita Krylov and Volkan Ozdemir. Ozdemir, a one-time title challenger. Very impressive names uh, as he climbs his way up the ranks. Huge favorite here. Who you got? So first of all, it's wild how much this line has moved. Ankulev was actually posted at minus 180, and since then has made his way to negative 600. For that reason, I'm saying pass on this fight if you are a betting man. Like, there, there's no reason to, to bet on this fight uh, with the odds where they're at, unless you really love Tiago Santos. So from a betting perspective, I'm saying dogger pass here. Um, but as far as who I'm picking for winner, I am picking Ankulev. I just don't think he's worth the negative 600 price. I think the thing about him in this fight is that Tiago Santos tends to be a guy who's a little bit tentative at this point in time of his career. He doesn't pull the trigger quite as often as he ought to. And I think it's cost him in a couple of matches. It's definitely cost him in the last one. And I think for for the sake of this fight, I think it's going to cost him against uh, uh, Ankolaev because Ankolaev is a guy who can get out of the way of your strikes and can also take you down. He's, he's got pretty good takedown def- or, uh, attacks. And I think the odds here are is that he's just going to win enough rounds, going to wear out Tiago Santos during the inactivity period. And even if Santos turns it up late, he ain't going to hit a, a knockout to, to save himself here. So I'm going with Ankalaev, but it, from a betting perspective, pass on this one. All right, I like I like where your head's at on that. I agree with you. Um, speaking of fighters, you know, I talked about Tiago Santos once challenging for the title, and you know, maybe you could even say short of an injury, coming very close to winning that title, and then hitting some rough skids, some turbulence, some rough waters, as they say. Well, Marlon Moraes, who we're going to talk about in our next fight here, he's a plus two ten dog to Song Yedong, a minus two sixty favorite. Marlon Moraes was once in a fight for the vacant UFC Bantamweight Championship and lost to Henry Cejudo via TKO. Before that fight, he had reeled off four wins in a row over the likes of, get ready for this, John Dotson, Aljamain Sterling, Jimmy Rivera, and Rafa Sunsau. That is the who's who of 135 and absolutely deserved that title shot against Henry Cejudo but lost. Since that title shot, that loss, it has been rough going. He came back and got a split decision win over Jose Aldo and then lost three in a row to Corey Sandhagen via a highlight reel-worthy TKO spinning wheel kick. Uh, then a TKO loss to Rob Font, a TKO loss to Marab Devashvili. So he's on a three-fight losing streak all via TKO. Song Yudong, on the other hand, he's 2-1 and one in his last three, coming over a TKO win himself over Julio Arce. And a split decision win over Casey Kenny. Again, Song Yedong, the minus 260 favorite here. Who you got? I'm actually going to go with Marlon Marias here. Um, I actually mm-hmm. think it's kind of crazy that Song Yedong is being posted as a, a, not just a favorite, a massive favorite in this fight, especially being that he's coming off a of wins over Julio Arce and Casey Kenny. Um, the, the Casey Kenny win was a split. Before that, he got absolutely dominated by Kyler Phillips, particularly in the wrestling department, which is Part of why this fight worries me a little bit, his his last two losses come to Kyler Phillips and Cody Stamen, two guys who uh, are not, I mean, I guess Cody Stamen's kind of known for his wrestling, but two guys who are not incredibly great wrestlers, and I actually think Marlon Marias has been leaning on his wrestling more. He, he took down Rob Vaughn a bunch of times before Rob Vaughn eventually got up and knocked him out. I don't have a, you know, granted, the odds are posted where they are because people are worried about Marlon Marias' chin, but... With the exception of the Julio Arce knockout, it's really been a long time since we've seen Song Yidong land a big bomb. Like, he, he hasn't in most of his fights. So, 
I kind of feel like Marlon Marias just surviving here, winning some of those grappling exchanges, and we see him get back in the winning ways. It's hard to believe that this is a guy who just two years ago beat Jose Aldo. Um, in in yeah, people debated that decision, but th- this was a guy who recently beat Jose Aldo and scored a takedown on Jose Aldo, which is not easy to do. We're seeing him posted as a massive underdog here against uh, Song Yudong, and I actually think he wins this one. Wow, I like it. Very much respect that pick. I'm going with Yudong, but I like what you laid out there. Uh, let's talk about Sadiq Youssef, a minus 235 favorite, and Alex Caceres, a plus 190 dog. Uh, Sadiq Youssef, you know, obviously another Nigerian-born fighter. They are taking over. Uh, when you look at Kamaru Usman and then also um, Israel Adesanya, of course, he's really more associated with um, Australia now. But that being said, uh, Sadiq Yusuf is coming off a loss to Arnold Allen. Before that, though, and here's where things get really impressive, he was on a five-fight win streak, including debuting and Dana White's Contender Series. So four fights in a row in the real UFC, if you want to separate out Dana White's Contender Series, Coming off a decision loss to Arnold Allen, Alex Caceres, unbelievable, has been in the UFC now 10 years, Gumby. And he's right now on a five-fight win streak. Alex Caceres is on a five-fight win streak since losing to Crone Gracie. If you want his entire UFC career, he's 14-10-1, and he's been fighting for 10 years, Alex Caceres. Just mind-blowing to me. Coming off a big win over Sung Woo Choi, beat Kevin Kroon before that, Austin Springer, Chase Hooper, and Steven Peterson is this five-fight win streak. Sadiq Youssef, to make it six, would be very impressive and show that he's not just a guy that's going to kind of meander around the top 15, that Alex Casera should be taken seriously. Can he get it done this weekend? I don't think so. Uh, Sadiq Youssef, to me, just a better, faster, more powerful striker. You know, if you look at those wins for Alex Caceres, a lot of them are by using his range and his length. But it's not like Sadiq Youssef hasn't beaten guys exactly like that before. But you go back to that Contender Series win where he was dealing with, you know, a taller, better-looking kickboxer in a lot of ways than even Sadiq Youssef is. And he pushed his way through getting leg kicks and dealing with range, got on the inside, and just, you know, absolutely beat up Mike Davis, who we've since seen as then you know, get signed to the UFC and is look great doing it. He beat Mason Jones for Christ's sake. So, you know, I would say that Sadiq Youssef has fought better kickboxers than uh, Alex Caceres. I think he's not in danger of being dragged to the ground here by Alex Caceres. So I'm taking the favorite here, Sadiq Youssef. All right. Well, you're taking a favorite there, but I know you're taking a dog in our dog of the week. It's Bruno Silva plus 150 over Alex Pereira. Let's hear it. So you're going to hate this one because I know you're an Alex Pereira guy, but I really do love Bruno Silva in this fight. And, And there's a lot of reasons to love Bruno Silva. But the bottom line is here is that Bruno Silva, to me, is just a nightmare matchup for Pereira because he's more well-rounded. He can use more facets of his game. He's got back-to-back-to-back knockouts, which is part of why they put him in this fight. But he's a guy who I saw in the regional scene wrestle a little bit. He can wrestle a little bit. Now, granted, he hasn't used that in the UFC yet, but mostly because he hasn't had to when you knock three dudes out silly, uh, including two guys who badly want to drag you to the ground. You know, maybe you don't shoot your own takedowns, but I think he's got the ability to do it here. And even if he doesn't, Pereira showed that in his last fight that while he is a far better kickboxer and he was a way better kickboxer than Mikolaitis, he faced some adversity and will face some adversity. I think against Silva, it's dangerous to do that because that dude hits so hard. So I'm going to go with the big heavy hands of Bruno Silva here to get the upset over Alex Pereira. I do not support this. Put all your money on Pereira. He's been training with Glover Teixeira. His wrestling is coming along. Wrestling defense, I should say. He's not going to be trained to be offensive-minded. And he's going to be one of the best strikers in the UFC. But you know what? As a pure underdog play, sure, why not? For betting purposes. But I'm telling you, yeah, I got Alex Pereira. All right, parlay to play is Osmat Merkakanov, a minus 165, and Miranda Maverick, a minus 310. Now, those are two pretty strong favorites, at least Miranda Maverick had a 3-1 to one favorite. But pair them together, it does get you 1-1 one one plus 100 money. Let's hear it. So I love Osmat Merkakanov because he's fighting Tavon Chukwi, who is a guy who, who I think is, is probably going to have difficulty with the pressure of Merkakanov. 
Merzakhanov, not necessarily a guy who's going to shoot 100 takedowns and get 100 takedowns, but he will shove you up against the cage and just wear you out. Tefan Chukwi, super strong guy, super powerful. We've seen him knock people out and crush people. But when you don't have any space to do it, I really hate his chances in this. So negative 165 seems like a steal for Merzakhanov. So I'm sliding him in my parlay with Miranda Maverick, negative 310. Look, she's fighting Sabina Mazo, somebody who has just recently badly out-wrestled. Maverick knows she needs to get back on the board after losing two in a row, although she really only lost one of those. One was a bad judge's decision. But I think her wrestling just takes over this fight. She easily out-wrestles Sabina Mazo, and we get plus money here on two people who I'm pretty confident in. Boom. Well, I'll tell you what I'm confident in. It's our picks as a whole. Let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty. You can reach us at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter and the IG and Gumby. This train is a moving down the tracks. What do we do now? So we're actually going to transition to a pair of interviews. I got two more for you guys this week because I just got inundated with availability and I just couldn't pass up either of these two guys. So we're going to be talking in a second to Trevin Jones as he gets ready for his fight this weekend. And we're also going to be talking to Terrence McKinney, a guy who is turning around on just 14 days from his past fight, looking for his third straight win in the UFC. And we're going to get to both of those interviews in just a second. But before we do, I need to let you know that this interview is, or these interviews rather, are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview's or these interviews with Trevin Jones and Terrence McKinney. All right, and joining me today is Trevin Jones, who fights Javid Basharat at UFC Vegas 50. That fight is on March 12th. So, Trevin, I want to start by talking about your last fight, because obviously, you know, you storm into the UFC with a couple of huge wins. You beat Timor Valiev mm-hmm. in a, a comeback of the year candidate. You know, you beat Mario mm-hmm. Batista, a highly touted guy. But then you get yes. this tough fight with, with Sadia Cub, Krok Romanov, a short-notice fight, a guy who misses weight. How did you deal with that loss at the end of the day, being that, you know, it's not really a fight you prepared for? Um, yeah, it's very tough, man. Um, like I said before, um, I was trying to be a company man. You know, I, was, I flew all the way from Guam. I was trying to do my job. You know, the first time I got here when I was scheduled to fight Randy Costa, it ended up getting switched to Mario Bautista. And both opponents for that camp and that uh, Karkamanov camp, um, they both put out at the same time. So it was kind of like, oh, I fought off the switch before. So and then I came off the um, the two day notice fight with Timur, who's really talented. So those kind of things put confidence in you, man. Like I said, um, I just uh, I just was putting myself in positions I didn't have to put myself in because I had success doing it before. Um, I had success in a Tamir fight, and I had success in a Mario fight, yes, and I tried to do it again, and I just came up short the third time. Um, it was very tough to have five different opponents um, cut weight three times in one month. Like, no one else is doing that, and I'm a big guy. The UFC PI knows I'm a very big guy, um, and it's just very hard, man. I'm very lean, and it was just very tough. Um, it was more like I, I didn't recover enough. It wasn't like <clears throat> I felt I could have still beat the guy – um, I felt I'm a, I'm a, I'm still a very bad matchup for him. I felt, I feel we'll meet down the line, but it was just a bad matchup for me that day with the wrestling he had and the way I had prepared for my previous opponents leading up to that fight. And that's all it was, man. It was just an off day. Um, I know I'm much better than that, and I'm gonna be looking to show it on March 12th. Well, I love hearing that. Now, you mentioned a couple of times in that response there that that you felt like you were being a company man and you were putting yourself in positions that you, you don't feel like you need to put yourself in. Is, is that something moving forward that that you're really going to be a little bit stronger on is, is making sure that you don't take, you know, opponents you don't have to or don't give yourself too many weight cuts in a month? Is that something you're going to be a little bit more hardline on? Well, I think it all depends on um, how's your career is going in the UFC. I think it depends on that. Like, if I'm on a nice win streak and they need me for something special and I feel I can do it, then I'm going to jump in there and do it as long as I feel like I can do it. I did it because I did feel like I can still do it. I felt like I could still get it done. I still feel like I can beat him. The only thing is when my body got in there after the third weight cut, because making weight three times was ridiculously impressive for myself. You know, like, man, that was so tough. I never thought I could, I, I barely could make weight one time and let alone I had the, the, 
the courage to do it three times and then stick to the fight and fight anyone that they were trying to give me five different opponents. So yeah, man, I'm just, it all depends on how the cookies, uh, how the ball is rolling. You know, if I'm on a win streak, I, I think I can, I can do it again. I keep coming strong if I'm feeling good. If I'm not feeling good about it, then it's something that we know now that we're not feeling good about this. But like I said, man, I never had that perfect pat in my career. You know, I have my, my share of losses already. I fought all tough guys since the beginning. I was one and no. My second pro fight, my opponent was 17 and two or something like that. So, um, I'm usually fighting tough guys and taking on these tough challenges. You know, I fought in five, six, seven different countries already. So they don't fly people in to fight the worst guy in the country. They fly <laughs> people in to fight the best guy in the country. So, yeah, I'm used to taking these tough fights. So it was just something that I, I'm used to doing. You guys were just seeing who Trev Jones is. He takes fights and he shows up to fight these tough guys. And, you know, I just tried to go out there and fight another tough guy and came up a little short. But I do feel there was a lot of things on my side that 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 made me come short. I don't feel like uh, the results were supposed to turn out that way, but it did. And, you know, I'm looking to clean it up now. Well, and you mentioned, you know, continuously fighting tough guys. And again, they give you a big ask in this fight, too. While Javid Bashara is a newcomer, he is a really difficult opponent. He's a guy who's undefeated. He's mm-hmm. submitting people left and right. He's got good kickboxing. Mm-hmm. I got to ask, though, because, you know, you're a guy who went out there and beat Timor Valiev, a guy who's highly touted. People are talking about fighting ranked opponents next. He beat Mario Batista, a guy who is fighting ranked opponents and things like that. Were you a little disappointed to find that, you know, get like a contender series guy, so to speak? Or were you more, you know, sort of excited because he is a, a, an undefeated tough guy? Man, I really don't know, man. I'm just, I really don't know. But yeah, both, both, both can make sense. Both make sense. If I got a better guy, it would have been, if I got a guy that was already in the UFC, it's like, it's like, it's all on you, man. Maybe some guys don't want to get embarrassed, like lose to a newcomer. You know, I just lost to a newcomer and they're like, oh, lose to a newcomer again. But like you said, this guy's 11 and 0. Of course I want to beat him. He's undefeated still. Like I know there's guys that are outside the UFC that still belongs in the UFC. So it, it depends on the mindset. That's the mindset thing. That depends on people that know the sport will know if Javid's good. They'll know if I'm good. Uh, fans will just be like, oh, 11 and 0. Oh, seven losses. So that's just how it goes. It's it, it just really a mindset thing. And if you truly know the sport, man, a matchup is a matchup. Um, I'm tough as they come. I know this. And yeah, Javid is going to be tricky and everything. And he, he is good. He is undefeated. He's submitting guys. But you know, I'm a black belt. I got submitted in my last fight, but that was the first time that ever happened. And we just talked about how that happened, you know, three-way cuts. And, you know, um, I still have my moments in that fight. And, you know, we just got to get out there and fill them out and we'll, we'll show them a nice fight. Uh, trust me, I'm, I'm in there to fight and I believe in myself. And I think I'm a very hard fight for Javid. I don't, as much as he's a hard fight for me that everyone can say 11 and 0, I think I'm a very hard fight for him. I, you know, I don't quit easy. I know that about myself. So. You know, my debut, I got hit with that nice push kick, didn't quit. I got choked out, didn't quit. So, you know, you got to put me away to make me quit. And that's just how I feel about it. Other than that, I got five split decision losses. So, you know, it's fair game. Absolutely. And you mentioned in there that you feel like you're a tough matchup for him. I I was going to ask you about that next. How do you feel like you match up for him? In either of those areas, you know, you mentioned you're a black belt on the ground and he's submitting people. How do you feel like his, your jujitsu matches up with his? Man, I just got to fill him out. I think I'm better. I wouldn't be out there if I didn't think I'm better. I think I'm better. I think I, I think he might be tricky on the feet, but I have way more power. So if he's a little too tricky, he's going to have to watch out for the power <clears throat> at all times. On the feet, on the ground, I, I'm confident, you know. I'm not his last opponent, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm not... All any of his opponents, I watched a couple of his fights and I'm not any of those guys. I don't fight like any of those guys. So he never fought guys like me, but I fought guys like him before. Love it. Now, I usually like to ask my fighters before I let them go for a prediction. Do you have a prediction for how this one goes? You you know, you sort of mentioned a couple of times that you, you want to feel them out. You want to see where it's going to go. But do you have a way that you envision this going? Um, I think I'm going to finish him. Uh, knockout or submission, but I do think I'm going to finish him. Whatever he initiates or I initiate, I'm going to finish him in that. It don't matter. I'm good everywhere. He can, like I said, they can look at the seven, but I'm good everywhere. They know uh, I got the seven, but I believe these fighters know who's the real fighters are. And when they come across me, like they know. So I think I'm going to finish him. Um, I had four finishes in a row before that, um, before that last loss. So I'm a finisher too, man. If he wants to think I'm not a finisher, I'm a finisher too. So I think I'm going to get the finish. 
Well, we're looking forward to it. Now, before I let you go, I, I do like to also ask fighters for the origin of their nickname stories. I, I love hearing a good nickname story. And you go by Five Star, which is a nickname I, I haven't seen in the MMA world ever before. Do you mind telling me where it comes from? Oh, Five Star. You know, I, I stay sharp, man. I stay fresh. You know, I always took care of myself. You know, I always rocked the nice shoes. Uh, you know, I just always been since high school. Middle school got best dressed, stuff like that. I always been the kind of guy to take care of myself. You know, um, when you take care of yourself, you can take care of others, you know. Trying to take care of my family. And, you know, five stars, a guy that just comes out and does everything. You know, I'm good on the ground, like I said. I got power, like I said, you know. I take care of myself, like I said, you know. Um, I like to have a nice car, you know what I'm saying? I'm like any other guy, but, you know, five star just means, you know, you got a little quality everywhere. He's not going to disappoint you everywhere, you know. My last fight, I may have. It's still five star because I may have lost my last fight, but I went out like a champ. You know what I mean? I went to sleep. I still made the fans get their money worth, man. I felt the fight wasn't good enough for me to tap out. Like I didn't perform good enough in that fight for me to tap out. So, you know, I still put on a show. You know, I went out there and did my job. You know, I fought like a man to the to till I had no more in me till I was out cold. So that's what five star means. Five star means you're gonna get a show. Five star means you got the right quality in there five star means it's nice i love it so thanks again once again for the time for fans this has been trevin jones who fights javid bashra at ufc vegas 50 that fight on march 12th trevin again thank you for the time thank you my man all right and joining me today is terrence mckinney who is fighting on short notice against drew dober on march 12th ufc vegas 50 so terrence I got to start here. It's one of the most insane turnarounds, 14 days, although, you know, people have been doing it a little bit more lately, but you're fighting a guy who's way up from where you had been fighting before. Tell me about how this all came about. How did you get the notice? How did you get asking for it? Were you the one who hit your manager up for it? How did this all come into play? It kind of just all happened at once. I saw the guy fill out and I was like, yo, like before I can even do that, my manager hit me up and said, yo, you want to fight Drew Dover? And I was like, yeah, let's do it and let's up that contract, baby. So he, he knew already of all the, the people who he manages, Terrence McKinney is the one who's about that life, who, who's looking for that fight already. Yes, sir. I love it. Now, I, I got to ask, too, because obviously this fight will come 14 days from your previous fight. You know, we're, we're filming this right now about a week away from your last fight, a week until your next fight. How did your body feel? Obviously, it was a shorter fight against Ferris Zayim, but did you take any bumps, bruises, stuff like that? Um, not at all. You guys, as you guys saw, I only took one leg strike. And why not keep the ball rolling? I'm, I'm healthy. I'm not injured. So I'll just come in hot and keep, keep the streak going, baby. I love it. Now, I'm also curious, too, before we get talking about the, the Dober matchup itself and, and all the stuff that goes along with that. I'm also curious, too, about your weight because, you know, you're not, you know, the ridiculously large lightweight, but you're a big guy. And, you know, you go in there, you cut weight just a week ago. Did your weight come back up? Are you worried about the, the cut back down or, or were you in a good spot? Um, I knew we were going to fight again, so I didn't try to not get much bigger than 175. Okay. So you, you knew you were going to be fighting again. You already had a plan to fight sometime in the near future because of, again, just no damage. Yes, sir, man. And I show people that that everything that's about to happen is going to be nothing short of a miracle. And people are going to know God's will through this journey. And every time you guys are going to be like, I'm the underdog. And that's exactly how God wants it, man. And I love the journey he's putting me on. And I'm forever humble to be here. And that's why you guys see me grinding right back away, because I'm doing it for you guys, the family to cheer me on, man. So I ref refuse to, to let this stuff go, man. Uh, I can be cut any day, so every day I'm grinding for you guys. I, I love that. Now, I, I did want to ask you, too, about the, the fact that you are an underdog. Like, I, I just saw odds posted earlier today. I'm, I'm actually shocked by it. After two performances like, like, like that, plus 205, I'm seeing listed as Terrence McKinney's name. People are getting two-to-one money on you. Had you already heard this before I told you? And if so, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I love it. And like I said, this is all part of God's plan. People need to see his presence and they need to see him moving. And and I want people to know, like, yeah, this God's this is what God's doing, man. That's why I tell people I'm sorry, but that you can't stop what God already has in motion, man. And we're gonna see that Saturday. 
What a great message. Now, I also want to ask, too, because I saw on Twitter that you had posted that you were into an idea with a matchup for Drew Dober after he he had previously won a fight or people were trying to fantasy match make it. And you say you were about it months ago that you were into Drew Dober. It, uh, you know, it, I'm playing along with the message you're saying here is that it's it seems like the plan has just always been in place. But what was it like for you when you heard he was available even after asking for it all those months ago? I know that's what's crazy about it. Like, like the stuff, like we can't make this stuff up. Like I know God has a perfect plan and I know people are starting to see it. Like there's something special going on right now. One up on board while you still can. All right. And, and now let, let's talk specifically about the matchup with Drew Dober here, because like I said, this is a big step up. Not that Fair Zayim is not good. That Not that Matt Favoli is not good, but Drew Dober is a guy who's been in there with Islam Makashev and Brad Riddell and Nazra Hakprost. And he's fought Benil Dariush. And like, he's fought dudes in this division, right? Like he is a guy who's been either right near the edge of that top 15 or in that top 15 in the past. So this is a huge step up for you. This is a guy who could get you into that top 15, could get you that recognition, could get you those big names. So tell me about how you feel like you match up with him in terms of style here, because he is a guy who mixes it up similar to you. Um, I think my wrestling is definitely going to be the big difference. And I think the, the speed's going to play a huge role in this fight. Um, Cause I know for a fact, I'm a, shit ton faster than him and and i'm gonna definitely use that to my advantage and and i know he doesn't do good at wrestlers so we're gonna get we're just gonna be a complete mixed martial artist and show people that i'm ready for the top 15 and like i tell people the first second and third awesome love to hear it now i did want to ask one more thing real quick because you, you pretty much jump the gun on my prediction question that I usually end on. But let me ask you one more question about, you know, the choice to wrestle Ferris Zayn, because you did go out there and you had starched four or five people in a row in less than a minute, you know, a seven second knockout over Matt Frivola. And, and it seemed like you could just one touch knockout pretty much everybody you've been fighting. You go out there, you fight a kickboxer and you show us that you are that complete martial artist, right? Was that by design? Did you think going into that fight, like, I'm going to show them that I'm not just a guy who starches people in seven seconds. Uh, not at all. I did want to get the knockout, but, <laughs> but once like, uh, he kicked me, I, I don't just think one track mind. That's what I tell, tell people. Like there's no matter if there's a knockout or submission, I'm thinking as a complete mixed martial artist, the whole fight. So I'm very like, we're wearing letting my instincts activate instead of being one track minded, searching for the knockout just cause I got the power. Well, we love hearing that, and we're looking forward to seeing it once again. And, of course, fans, you can catch Terrence McKinney once again at UFC Vegas 50. That fight is going to be on March 12th against Drew Dover. Terrence, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, brother. It was a pleasure being on your show, man, and God bless, man. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turn MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Double Nickel Sports Betting, Maroon Social, and, of course, Better Than Vegas. And as a reminder, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gibby-Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then.